Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. So we've been in this conversation, we started it last week called It's Complicated because we've been talking about relationships in church. <laughs> and uh, how many of you know, as we were talking that um, people don't need to just uh, receive information. They, they need to have insight that comes from the word of God. And we want to learn what the Bible tells us about relationships. How many of you know that God is the one who created relationships in the first place? Come on, somebody. And whoever creates something gets to define it. And he, he gets to also uh, tell us how to, how to work it. And uh, so we go to the Bible to learn about relationships. A quick recap from last week is that God is a relational being. And he created all of us to be relational beings as well. Unlike the rest of creation, God saved the best for last. He saved man and woman, created in his image, spirit, soul, and body, to have a relationship with him. So we have a propensity within us to have a relationship both vertically with God, but also horizontally. But we learn from the, the beginning of the Bible, right from, right from the beginning, that sin entered this world and jacked things up. So it's been complicated since the garden, y'all, right? It's been, it's been a mess since then. But by God's grace, God continues to pursue us and he helps us. Praise God for Dr. Phil and Oprah and all the counselors we got in this world. But at the end of the day, we still, we still need God. Therefore, he sent Jesus. So Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the one who causes us and enables us to have a relationship vertically with God. And it's Jesus that helps us to have healthier relationships with one another. Whether it's in romance in the sense of a husband and wife, or whether it's working with a boss that's just a knucklehead. Come on, somebody. Pastor David almost raised his hand because I'm his boss. But um, whatever the relational connection might be, it's complicated, and we need, we need some help. And uh, let me read two verses, and then we're going to go into this time uh, with our panel to answer some questions. Thank you, by the way, for all of the questions that were sent to us during this week through our social media platforms and text messages and emails. We got a bunch. So we sorted through a few, and we kind of mixed and matched. And today we're going to talk to those of you who are single, those of you who are married, and those of you who perhaps are single again, or those who don't want to be married, period. We're going to talk to all of y'all today. It's going to be good. But Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, it says this, I don't think the way that you think. That's God talking right here. Another microphone. Thank you very much. We are good. So God, that's for you, Keith. Yes, we good. So this is God talking here in Isaiah. And he says, I don't think the way that you think. Husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about right there, right? Spouses are like, I don't think the way you think. God is saying, I don't think the way you think. The way you think or the way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way that I work surpasses the way that you work. So God thinks differently than all of us, right? Jeremiah 29 verse 11, you might be familiar with this passage because God says this, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So I don't care how jacked up our lives might become or have been, God still has great plans for us. God can actually undo some wrongs. I heard it said that God can actually still write straight even on crooked lines. So even if you've made some boneheaded moves and you've jacked things up big time, God is still good and he still has great plans for us. God doesn't reward us based on merit, meaning if you do good, you got an A+, plus, then God will give you more blessings. No, we are all children of God. And what parent would withhold something good from someone that he or she loves? God is a gracious God. He, he disciplines us too, 
forget if we get out of shape, he kind of nudges us and kind of like, you know, does what he needs to do to get our attention. But God knows the, the plans that he has for us. Can I tell you today, God has great plans for you. Right. Even if things seem complicated, even, even if your world is just spinning out of control, God still has good plans for you. Right. Amen. Hey, let me introduce our panel real quick. Pastor Marquise Gray, married to Catherine right over there. They got four amazing kids. Noah, I call him Mr. Buckets because this week he dropped 27 points. His team won the championship. Noah, Isaiah, and Kai Kai and Jax, what a beautiful family they are. Uh, pastor Keys is the associate pastor here at City Life, also works full-time for the mayor's office here in the city. Phenomenal. So let's give it up to Pastor Keys. My better half, Pastor Elena, that cute thing from Portland, Oregon. God as well has blessed us with four kids. Two daughters, two sons, Erica, Juliana, Jaden, and Ethan. And uh, we've been doing ministry now and life together for 25 plus years. And uh, I'm the lucky dog that married way out of my league. So let's give it up to Pastor Elena. <laughs> pastor Chelsea, our worship pastor, oversees our, our worship and media teams. And married to Zach. And uh, she's got three beautiful boys. And uh, they're all growing up way too fast. Blake, Caleb, and Liam. And uh, they are an amazing, amazing family. Uh, Chelsea was just ordained as a pastor six months ago now, right? But had been doing worship for her entire life. She's amazing. Let's give it up to Pastor Chelsea. <laughs> pastor Lamia, our online campus pastor. Pre-COVID, before COVID, she was our connections pastor. She oversaw our next steps, fresh start, baptisms, all of that fun stuff. With COVID, we've pivoted, moved some pieces of the puzzle around. She is now our online campus pastor, overseeing all of our online community, and uh, she's amazing. She is a woman of the Word of God, and something unique about her is that uh, Elaine and I had the privilege of having her in our youth ministry many moons ago, and uh, when I had hair. And um, well, Pastor Lama has been a dear friend of ours, but there's a, an obvious call of God on her life to pastor God's people. She was an associate youth pastor. She, she just did a little bit of everything. And she's a, success, a successful businesswoman as well and an integral part of our team. So let's welcome Pastor Alamia one more time and all of our online community. So, so we have a few great questions that we're going to be asking you guys today. And um, someone said it's complicated. So um, we had many other questions. Next week we'll continue our series and we'll try to be very interactive then as well. But I'm just going to grab a few, uh, a few of these questions, and I'm going to start the very first one with Pastor Elena, and that would be this, Pastor Elena, how do I find, not me personally because I found you, I found you, but how do I find my true soulmate? Is there such a thing as a one in a billion kind of a partnership that God has for us? How does a person find their soulmate, the one that God has for them? Ready? Go. Huh. Okay, so the answer is, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, here's the thing. I don't actually believe, according to Scripture, that there is one soulmate for you. I believe God actually does give us choices, and I think my husband addressed this last week. Um, but God, as you, as you get to know somebody, you make a choice before God. There are, there are people who are better for you. There are people who, uh, who really click with your personality. There are people who um, you, you are going in the same direction with. There are people who have similar life goals, people that are going in the same direction. But I don't think you can have just one soulmate. But what I do believe is that as you choose somebody and as you, um, as you prayerfully ask God for wisdom, he actually gives you that kind of wisdom and lets you know, hey, 
pull the brakes or go ahead and run with this thing. And as you go before God, also getting wise counsel is so important. The people around you can actually see things that you won't see. And so as you're looking for the right person or the right soulmate, get some people around you. Don't go solo. Don't do this thing on your own. Uh, it's so important to have that. But listen, soulmate, I believe, is between you and God. And then as you create a covenant with somebody before God, God then gives you the ability to have this beautiful connection with one person that you've already made this decision. After you marry that person, they become the one for you no matter what. And they become the one that God actually anoints both of you to be able to have a soul connection. So my husband is my soulmate. Was he my only soulmate? Say that, girl. Say it. <laughs> Was he my only soulmate? I think you can... Also, it's, the, it's one of the reasons why people can create a soul connection outside of a relationship or outside of a marriage that is not right. Because you can have a soul connection with anybody. But when God comes in, he actually puts his spirit upon that thing and gives his anointing and his blessing upon it. And so it becomes something that's beautiful. So... Short, long answer. Very good. Anybody else want to chime in on that thought? <laughs> We're good. Come on, people. Help me out. <laughs> so this morning I was in my Wordle. I mean, Word. It's a cheesy joke. But I was in Wordle, a little game, right? There's only one correct answer. And it took me a minute. But my soulmate was helping me today. So thank you very much. The it's Bible not says, a word. I disagree. It's not a word. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But there's, there, there is a searching piece of finding the right one. But the Bible also says that the footsteps of the righteous person are ordered of God. The key is this. It's not finding the right person. It's finding God. As you honor God, as you pursue him, as you pursue his plans for your life, you will run into your destiny, whoever he or she might be. Come on, somebody. All right. Second question here. This one goes out to Pastor Lamia. By the way, Pastor Lamia is still a free agent. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Here's a question for you, Pastor Lamia. Here's a question. I'm not happy being single. Is God okay with that? And then a follow-up to that question is, how do I find fulfillment being single when I really don't want to be single? Um, so I think it's a great question. And I don't know if we're going to get feedback with the way this is happening, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a question I think a lot of us deal with. And I think the, the reality is that it's okay for us to not be happy in the season of single, or not even the season, in the time of singleness. When you're single, whatever time that is, um, you, I think God can handle it. I think oftentimes we give platitudes to single people to say like, okay, if you just choose to be happy in this moment, or if you just stop looking for the person, then all of a sudden your your perfect your perfect match is going to appear. Then all of a sudden, God's going to like deliver your husband to your front door. Um, I don't think that's the way that God functions. Where He's waiting for us to like have this specific uh, handshake, I like to call it, right? The secret handshake with God. Once we figure it out, once we like are content in that, then God answers it. I think there's a lot of room for us to be discontent with the particular place we find ourselves in the moment and yet fully content with who God is and fully believing that God is powerful, that God's promises are true, that God's word is true, that the promises he spoke over our life are true. Um, but you can still have that absolute belief and truth and 
enjoying God and yet hate the fact that you're not married or not together with someone. And God isn't bothered by that. God is big enough to allow for that. In fact, the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about how hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it's the fulfillment of that hope that we start to see that kind of like the, the healing of our heart. So there's, that means that there is room in God's word for us to have that, that time uh, where hope is deferred, whatever promises they are, whether it's, or whatever things that we're, we're contending for for God, whether it's singleness, whether it's seeing people in our life saved, whatever it is, um, having that moment of being discontent and contending for God's promises and yet fully content in who God is. And so I think that there is an allowance from God in that God, God's a big boy. God, God has a lot of room for us to be able to express our feelings of God, I really am believing you for this and not happy that it's not here yet. Yet you're still big. You're still God. You're still able to do these big and amazing things. Um, but, but then we also have that place to just express that, that contending for him yet content in who he is. So, um, can you be unhappy and still single? Yeah. And, and God be okay with it. Absolutely. How do you find fulfillment in being single? It's not about being single that you find the fulfillment. It's about finding fulfillment in the truth and the promises of God, right? Because you can be married and not happy and not fulfilled. And you can be, you, you can be in whatever, whatever relationship status is. It does not equate your happiness and your fulfillment in God. That is your personal walk with Jesus. Your husband, your wife is not going to fulfill you. It is Jesus who fulfills us and only God who fulfills us. And that, so that's like a completely separate issue. So just like with everything in our life, we're able to express doubts. We're able to express frustrations. We're able to express happiness to God. He can deal with it. He can help us move past it. We can fight for God's promises and yet still be fully content and fulfilled in God. It's this great dichotomy that we have in who Jesus is. Brilliant. Come on, somebody. Let's fuego right there. Can we get some fire emojis from our online community? Our online pastor just preached the house down. I don't even want to say nothing after that. Come on, Pastor Lamia. Let's get some fire emojis on the online community. That's one amazing. Time. See, that, that's why we wanted her to be a part of this panel, because she can bring the fuego. This next question here uh, goes to Pastor Keys, and then anyone can jump in. But here's a question. There's two parts to it. First question is this. Is it okay? Do we have the questions popping on the screen at all? So our media team. All right. Is it okay to ask someone from church out for some coffee? Is it okay? If they're married, it's not okay. Oh, come on, somebody. Unless there's, what anyways. But is it okay to ask someone from church for coffee? Wink, wink. And what happens if you break up or don't like each other that way after? Like, how, how do you deal with that, Pastor Keys? That's the money question. Um, so I guess the way I would answer that question, one, one, one first thing that comes to my mind is if you go to coffee with somebody, it doesn't mean you're in a relationship with them. So the whole breakup part in the coffee, I don't, I don't see how those two mix together. God bless whoever wrote that question that had that assumption that once we had coffee, we was already a couple. Okay. That's church. Let me, I don't know why y'all put me on this panel, by the way. Y'all just, that's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Um, okay, and the coffee part. All right, let's talk about the coffee part. Can you ask somebody for coffee? Why, why wouldn't you be able to? Like, 
why not? You know what I'm saying? So yes, you could ask somebody for coffee. Just don't be a weirdo and don't be goofy. Amen, anybody? Let's just talk about it in church. Don't be a weirdo. Just go to coffee and let it be coffee and chop it up. Chop it up I mean like have a conversation, you know what I'm saying? That's what I mean by that. Just have a conversation, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the only thing I would say, if anybody wants to jump in, is motives. Motives matter, right? When you go and you want to pursue somebody and you want to, you know, uh, pursue a relationship and, and, and coffee or whatever, go get something to eat, you know, check your heart, check your motives as, you know, going to a will. Why do you want to go uh, get coffee? Is it, is it just a relationship thing? Is it just a friendship piece? Uh, do you, you know, what, what, what's, what's in your heart and what's in your mind? Um, it's important to do that, especially we're talking about the church, by the way. We're not we're in the church talking about kingdom principles. Right. And so our heart really matters in these in these type of things. So. Yeah. Yep. Any of you girls want to jump in on that one? I would just add, why can't you ask other people to go too? It's more fun and exciting if other people are around. It's not as um, awkward or weird. You don't look creepy. <laughs> Do it in groups. It's fun. All right. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. I think. Oh, Lamia, please go. Okay. Well, I was gonna say, just I think that the one thing too, it's just don't. We don't have to over spiritualize it, y'all. It, like Pastor Mickey says, it's coffee. So in the in the attitude of don't be creepy, don't also over-spiritualize it where it has to be like God spoke to you this prophetic word that you had to go and go to Starbucks together. And it was the word of the Lord to just have this moment in meeting and this is your destiny for forever. It's coffee. Be normal. We don't have to be insane. Jesus did not tell us to be insane and weird. So I think that's just kind of an added point from the, the single chick on the panel. <laughs> don't over-spiritualize it. That's actually what I was going to say. I was going to say it's very rare to know if that's the person you'll marry on the first date. So maybe just take the pressure off a little bit and get to know somebody, talk to them, find out a little bit about them rather than asking them all the super spiritual questions right up front. Like, you know, are you ready to get married tomorrow? That's a great question. I just want to say, like, that's right. I agree. Like, you may not know, but I knew Catherine was the one for me <laughs> from the very first date. From the very first date. I knew that's who God wanted me to be with for the rest of my life. I love you, baby. Hey. I'm glad that worked out for you. <laughs> so, City Life Church, we are a family. You heard it from us here first. Here, here's the deal. If you're single, ready to mingle, all right? Here's the deal. It is okay to hang out with other people. It is okay to go out for coffee or sushi or whatever. It, 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 we're not going to frown upon you, and we're not going to begin to assume because we're a family. But here's the, the thing, though. It starts with friendship first. So don't go in with this romantic kind of like fantasy right off the bat. It could be the person that God has for you, but it's all about friendships. You might hang out and grab coffee. They might drink chai tea. Who cares? But um, whatever the situation might be, it takes some time to learn who they are. And I like what Chelsea said, when in doubt, go in groups. That's why we love life groups. You can hang out and connect through life groups, get to meet people, go on a hike together with people. Pretty soon you realize, like, man, they're out of shape. They're quitters. You don't want to be linked up to someone that's a quitter like that. So just, just throwing that out there. But starts, it starts with friendships. Come on, somebody. That was anointed. I could feel it. Woo! All right, Pastor Chelsea. Here's a question for you, Pastor Chelsea. It's an easy one. It's... Is it okay for a gal to ask a guy out? Yes. <laughs> no, but for real, me and Zach, my husband, 
we always laugh about, if I didn't go up to him, we wouldn't be married. And he says it all the time. It would have never happened. So this isn't 1945. You can ask out a guy. And you have different personalities for a reason. And some people, that is not comfortable for them. And you also don't have to be weird about that either. Like, just hang out with them. And I would say hang out in a group because it is it is more fun and you get to see how they interact with other people. And it's it takes so much pressure off. I did know I was going to marry Zach. I was the crazy one that <laughs> met him and knew this is it. This is God. But yeah, ask, do it. You don't have to be a guy. Very good. And once again, y'all, like they, they keep saying like, I knew it. The key is this, go vertical first, and then the horizontal will be re uh, revealed to you as you keep going. All right, let's keep moving on here. Here's a question for Pastor Elena. I've been through a divorce. Is it okay for me to date or marry again? And how soon could I actually pursue a romantic relationship? All right, so I think that there are tons of people in this uh, scenario. And so, first of all, God doesn't condemn you where you're at. And this, the very specific situations are um, ones that we can pastor you through. So we cannot give a blanket statement on exactly what you've been through. But I do believe after divorce, there is a great level of healing that's needed in that moment. And so I would say, take time first to make sure that your soul is healed up. And it may be something you're going to carry around a little bit of a, of, a, of a scar with you. But if you're walking around with an open wound or a bruise, it's not a good idea to get started yet because you're going to bring that woundedness into the next relationship and maybe some of the things that you brought into the relationship that you had before are going to end up being the same. We've all seen it, right? That you marry somebody and it's the same problems because you're the same person that goes back into that relationship. And so the main thing is to maybe seek outside help. Listen, you, you can't do it on your own. If you walk through something they say that's one of the hardest things you could ever walk through. It's one of the deepest, hardest things because our, our, our souls were created for connection. We're created for to be loved. And in that moment, something happens where you all of a sudden feel as though you were unloved in that moment. And I think God wants to restore that place in, his, in your life where he can be the one who is the lover of your soul, who's your peace, who's your comfort. And so is it okay for you to date again and how soon? I can't give you a blanket statement for that. I would say get wisdom around you. But I also would, I would also maybe give you advice to maybe not just get counsel, maybe go to a Christian counselor and walk through some stuff to, to examine your own heart with the Lord and say, okay, God, am I ready? Am I ready to bring somebody else back into my life? Um, I, we've seen some of the most beautiful, amazing stories of how God brought people together after divorce and created such a beautiful expression of what he would do in the body of Christ and ministry. Um, and so there's a lot of theological questions surrounding this, and you may disagree with it theologically, and we can go into that personally, so we're not going to get into that right now. But I I do say God is for you. He is with you. You are not second, you are not second best. Uh, you are not left behind. It, God has something for you. And so if you're in that place, just want you to know here that we believe that God is a restorer of our hearts. He's a restorer of his purpose for your life. Your purpose didn't end with that marriage, but he is bringing something into your life to give you hope and future. And I believe that there is um, a moment for you that God will bring. That's great. So I along with what you just said, I don't think that there's a cookie cutter answer. It's unique in every situation, right? But ultimately, I think we need to be reminded that our spouses don't complete us. Right. So if you're single or maybe single again, you're not incomplete because you don't have a spouse. Yeah. Jesus is the one that completes people. He's our fulfillment, right? So, so again, 
Um, that, that's why I love church, because church, City Life Church, we're about healing from our past and hope for our future. That's right. When you come into the family of God, the house of God, you're healed here. You're covered here. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. In the house of God, this is not a place of judgment or condemnation, but it's a place where people are healed, right. restored, and each story is unique. Yeah, so we don't compare ourselves amongst ourselves. We continue to pursue Jesus, and as we're following him, he helps us connect the dots. And this next question for Pastor Keys, it kind of ties into that. It's a pretty uh, easy question, in my opinion. How long should I date before marriage? It's a great question. I feel like if it's so easy, you should answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what, alley -oop. come on, brother. Alley -oop, the duck contest disappointed us yesterday, so go ahead, brother. Please, help us out. I, I'm the moderator, but I, I, does any, I have an answer, but go ahead. Anybody want to chip in? I still want to hear what Pastor Keys has we'll to say. Come back How long? Keys. <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, I know people that have been together for a few months and decided to get married. And um, I guess what I what I would say to that question is, um, I think there's a real challenge with trying to be engaged for a long period of time. Yeah. As far as in the church, right? Because of the temptations. Um, I come from an old school church. Uh, some of y'all have been in a Pentecostal church. My background was like it's better to marry than burn. That's what they would say. They, they would say that. They would say that, you'd be scared as heck, like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? And then the, the other extreme to that is like, do whatever you want, you know what I'm saying? And by, like, the, by the way, marry the wrong person and you're gonna be burned regardless. That too, that too. But that's another conversation. That's why I think you should answer this question. <laughs> no, that's a good answer, let's, let's uh, yeah, ask the so, girls too. So yeah, so I mean, um, again, like a lot of these questions that we're gonna answer today, there's not a, a, a biblical, framework per se of like, script. you know, the script, right? Six months, one year, two years or whatever. Uh, again, it goes back a lot to my last answer as well. It's like motive of your heart around, you know, where you're at mentally, emotionally. You mentioned earlier about uh, different interests when you meet somebody. A lot of these th different things you have to kind of process before you make the decision of getting married because being getting married is a covenant. It's a lifetime commitment. We know us in the church, we're not getting married just to play around. You know what I'm saying? Like, and see if this works out. Nah, like once we locked in, we locked in. You know what I mean? And so, um, so it's a very serious commitment. You know what I mean? And so, folks need to understand that. So it's hard. It is hard to say. Well, it should be six months, one year. I, I, I wouldn't advocate when I think about my own kids, and you know, we'll coach them in the future. Um, you know, three-year engagements, like. Nah, nah, hold on, bro. Like, we're going to have to talk about this, you know what I'm saying? And figure out what, you know, what, what's really going on. So, uh, no, again, no set time. I don't, you know, and I'm really curious what you're going to say. I'll have, have, I'll have the girls chime in okay. as well, real right. quick. I, I would just agree. I don't, I think it's different for each person, but I don't think it matters. Me and Zach were married at eight months of knowing each other, <laughs> and it'll be 10 years in September. So, Amen. I don't, I think, <laughs> I think it's, you need to make that serious decision and it shouldn't be taken lightly. Like you said, it is your entire life. And there are certain, there should be boxes that are like, these are non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. These are things that I see in the future. Um, where am I at? Where are you at? Like Pastor Lamias said, you need to make sure that where you're at is healthy and good. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not, it doesn't matter how long you wait to get married or whatever you do. It's not going to be great if you're not great inside. And I've known people that have been together for 10 years and get married and divorced in two. Or together for two weeks. We have friends that were together for two weeks. And I think they've been married for like 45 years or something. Wow. So wow. 
doesn't it's, really it's matter. It's unique in every it situation, unique, right? Yeah. right? I think I'll the, add, one thing, just, just I would say again, going back to the importance of the church, right? That's just, that's why it's important to have, what Elena talked about earlier, wise counsel, yeah. pastors, yeah. you know what I'm saying, that you could like check in with, I'm thinking about this and get some support, not making that decision isolated to yourself. Yeah. Yep. So you're prophetically picking up on what I was about to say. I just want to be like you, that's all. <laughs> the, beauty, the beauty of being, again, planted in the house of the Lord is that you've got you got some seasoned folks. you got people who've been married for a long time here. And um, when you're in love, or at least you, you're experiencing romance, by the way, love is much more than an emotion, right? But it's like when you're, like, infatuated with that one person, sometimes you overlook the deficiencies because, like, oh, everything else is justified. The beauty of having a community around you is that people, will, people who love you will call things out. If they, if they know, and, and that's why I do appreciate the wisdom of parents, perhaps, that are involved. Like, nah, not sure that you would be the right fit for them or vice versa. So uh, it's not that you have to include the entire tribe in this whole relationship, but it's good. The Bible says that there's safety in the multitude of counselors. So having some outside perspectives to help us is great. And I think at the end of the day, there's no clock, there's no timeline other than do your homework. <laughs> Get to know them. And when everything is going great, it's easy to love each other. But when you really learn about people yep. is when tough times come. Yep. How do people re respond or react to adversity? That is the telltale sign whether you're going to be a great match or, or not. But let me pivot and go on to the next question. We could be there for a minute. Pastor Elena, this kind of connects to the question that was asked to you a few moments ago. But someone sent in this question. They said, lots of Jesus-centered relationships have failed. How can I confidently look forward to or keep a healthy, striving, godly marriage. So it sounded like the question was coming from someone who's not married, but we'll apply it to those who are possibly pursuing marriage as well as those who are, who are in marriage. If, if lots of Jesus-centered relationships have failed, how can I confidently look forward to a healthy, striving, godly marriage? So I think that, um, that there's so many different variables with people and what's going on in their own soul. And I think one of the most important things is to not have a toxic soul, to not have, not have a lot of anger and resentment and unforgiveness in your own heart going into any kind of a relationship because that's the very first thing that is going to allow you to be discontent in your marriage. When discontentment comes in, then all of a sudden you begin complaining. Complaining turns into dissatisfaction, and that turns into, I want out. And when that happens, the enemy would like to come in and destroy your relationship. And so I think that a lot of times you'll see people that love Jesus, but their soul got unhealthy. And so that's why a lot of marriages have failed. Also, I think we just said the word uh, covenant a minute ago, and I think maybe we don't talk about it in church a lot. What does the Bible say, actually, about relationships and marriage? There's a, there's a lot of words. We all understand what the word adultery means. There's another word called fornication. It's a Christianese word, but it basically just means having sex outside of marriage. And basically what it is is you've been created by God to have a relationship that is under his blessing, and that's what the covenant is. You make a, you make a decision before God, God, I'm going to commit this marriage to you. And when you go to God, you can have his wisdom for that situation. As soon as you uh, take yourself out of alignment with God, and as soon as you stop listening to the Holy Spirit for your marriage, you will find yourself in places that are really dangerous. And so how can I confidently look forward to a healthy, striving, godly marriage? I would say get some people around you that you can be accountable to. We just, uh, Pastor Lamia said it beautifully, content and contending before you get married, also inside of your marriage, content and contending for better. We have, uh, there, there's not an exact recipe for it, but I believe that God created marriage and he created it for a lifetime. We've been married for 25 years and um, yeah, the way to stay in it is to stay in it. 
Don't give up. Don't give up when it's hard. We're in a culture where today, if something makes you mad, if something, gosh, we're just not getting along, or, you know, it's, it, we fell out of love. There's no such thing as falling out of love. Love is a choice. You make a decision to care for that person. So you fell in love with somebody else? No, you made a choice to go spend some extra time with them and then your soul got connected to them. So how do you have a healthy marriage? You invest into the person that you're with and you ask God for his help and his wisdom. And when you're struggling, you get help. You go ask for help and you look at the word of God and it begins to reveal things in you that maybe need to be changed. And yes, there are situations of abuse. There are situations that are very difficult and um, those are things that we want to help you with. So again, if you need help, please come and speak with us, but I believe God's intention is for a healthy, thriving marriage in every single way, and so you can look forward to it because God said it, and if he said it, then he's going to give you wisdom to be able to do it, so. That's a good word. Hey, and by the way, um, those of you who have been married for, for a minute, um, you can love somebody, but at times not like them, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I love you. I'm committed to you. I just don't like you right now. Like, dang, you're irritating me, <laughs> and because uh, relationships are four-letter words, right? W-O-R-K. It's work. It's work, and it takes time, and it takes energy and forgiveness. And, um, and by the way, Pastor Elaine and I, we're blessed with four kids. We actually have a therapist as well. We meet with our therapist every two weeks to kind of keep us sane. And uh, like a chiropractor, you need ongoing maintenance, right? And, uh, and I'm fortunate because she is more godly than I am, and she's more spiritual than I am. And uh, God's, God gives us grace, right? Yeah, I just want to add one thing. Our therapist, he, she said this one thing. She said, your marriage is kind of like tending a garden. There are some things that are, you're going to continue to, have to continue to have to work on. So if you just want to, if you want to fix it, it's probably not just going to be fixed right away. Sometimes there are things in your life that you continually have to go back to over and over again. And that doesn't mean you're failing. What it means is you're doing the hard work and you're staying in it. So contend and tend your own garden. Because if you don't tend it, someone else might tend it. But that's another conversation. Come to our marriage seminar. We'll, we'll help you. That's a big one right there. Chelsea, Pastor Chelsea. <laughs> hey, it's real talk in church, though. It's like, for real, for real. Here's a good one. Here's a question popping on the screen. Pastor Chelsea, what's the best way to break up with someone? <laughs> tell us, tell us. Wow. Say that. Um, I think you just need to be a person that has a backbone and do it nicely and be up front and don't wait forever to do it. That's not Jesus at all. Don't just, oh, don't just ignore somebody. Don't just like ghost them and you're not there anymore and they're, they don't even know what happened and you're, you're not available. That's not right. That's not good. I think you should just be honest, be truthful. We're supposed to care about people. And especially if you're with someone that you did care for, or even, even if it wasn't that long, it should be a little bit easier. But if you're with someone for a long time and you don't do it in a respectful way, it's, that's horrible. So just be a good human being. That's right. So are you saying that they shouldn't break over a text message? Oh, <laughs> no. I'd say this. How you transition out of a season greatly determines how you will enter a new season. So do it right. 
If you know it's not going to work out, do it with respect and honor. At the end of the day, we are brothers and sisters. We are all created in the image of God. And um, so, yeah, so honor one another even when you disagree. And uh, all right, Pastor Lame, here's a question for you. Here's a question that came in, and it's kind of abbreviated. It's this. We hear a lot about red flags, like beware, beware, like there's all these red flags, right? But what are the green flags that we should be looking for when considering a potential spouse? That's a great question. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. I think you're right. There's often, you know, we, we focus a lot on what, what, who you shouldn't date. But I think that um, especially as you're looking and considering relationships, you have to think about, first of all, you have to, you, I think you should have your own set of non-negotiables. I think there's often times we can get really into the, the list of superficial wants in a partner, but we often forget what are our absolute non-negotiables. And as Christians, our first non-negotiable should be their love of Jesus. So one of the green flags that you should see, like if you're on the dating app and they're not mentioning Jesus at all anywhere outside of like religion, Christian, then maybe you should wonder a little bit how important this is. Because if it's not important enough to mention, then maybe they're not looking for the same thing you're looking for, which is someone who's pursuing Jesus. So just, it tends to, from my experience at least, it has often burned when you find that person really just the Christian because that's, you know, what they grew up with or what they consider themselves nominally. So looking for the green flag of someone who actually is planted in the local church. They don't need to be planted in our local church. That's okay. But planted in a local church where you know they have people who are pastoring them, people speaking into their lives. You should have someone who is excited to introduce you to their circle of friends. If they are not bringing you into their world or it's taking them like seven months to bring you into their world, it's one thing like on the first date to be like, here are my parents. Culturally, that might happen for some cultures, so don't chill, don't freak out. But if it's, but like also, if it's taking you seven months to even introduce you into their world, that I would be cautious of that. But a green flag is I want you to hang out with the people I hang out with because if the people that I love find that you are amazing and wonderful, then it's going to help this whole thing get like be so much easier, especially if you're not in the same circles. It's really, especially as an adult single person. It's a very different world than like being 25 or being in college and single. You are already in the same world for the most part being college and sing- in college and single. When you grow up and like in Christendom, it's like once you're 26, if you're an adult, you're an adult single person. All of a sudden the whole world has changed, <laughs> but it, it's kind of true. Um, but as an a, a, a like older single person, you, you should, one of the green flags is like someone inviting you into the things that are important to them. Even if you don't love the same, like passionate about the same thing, maybe someone's super passionate about sports and you're not really into sports, that's okay. They should still be inviting you or welcoming you into that world with them because that means they're excited to have you in there. They're not just kind of keeping you on the side and like maybe, you know, in, in that whole world and pursuit. So one of the green flags is bringing you into that world, another in love and Jesus and, and giving you room to be who you are. If there's a constant nitpicking to who you are and they're not letting you be uniquely who God has created you to be and expressing your love for Jesus in the way that God has created you to be, if they're somehow intimidated by your love for the Lord, those are things that aren't great. If they're encouraging you to step out into the calling that God has for you, whether that's within the four walls of the church or outside the four walls of the church, that's a green flag that you hold on to and you want to get excited about. Those are the things that should be part of kind of your non-negotiable list. People who encourage you, who love you love Jesus and understanding with you. That's awesome. Great, great answer. And uh, as we're beginning to kind of land this plane, um, rapid fire questions, Pastor Chelsea, to you very quickly. Is it okay 
to date an unbeliever? <laughs> I feel like this is not a quick question answer. Um, there's two things that I can only speak from personally. And my oldest, that's 12, I had him when I was 25, and I wasn't married, I was single, and I was in a place of just being selfish, I wasn't going to church. I knew that eventually I would go back when I was ready to go back to church, um, but I just was being selfish, got pregnant, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is getting really real now. Like, I have to make adult decisions now. And what I didn't realize when you're dating and you're like, oh, it's fine, and his dad is or was an atheist. He's not anymore. We're still working on him. But he didn't believe in God at all. And in my 24-year-old head, it was like, oh, I'll get him to be a Christian or he'll, he'll change his mind. But the reality is now I'm having a child with him. So now it goes above and beyond me. Now there's a little person that I'm raising that I have values that are instilled inside of me that I know right from wrong, and now they're going to be placed on him. So that's one. This is eternal. We're parents forever now. I'm with him till we have grandchildren and beyond till we're gone and dead. <laughs> like, it's forever. Yeah. So even when you're dating, you're making a choice. And then we just talked about taking people around um, your friends and family. Have you ever asked God what he thought about the person you're dating? Right. Is, is he good? Like we, we make a big deal about, oh my gosh, we're gonna introduce him to the family, to friends, and let's see what they think. Did you ask Jesus what he thinks? Because if you are alive and you are living in truth with God, you, that's what you're striving for. You want a relationship with him. You wanna go deeper with him in those things. That person, needs to be there because when you get married and you go through one of the hardest times of your life where you're struggling, I'm sorry, I need my husband, you need your wife to be going to that secret place asking God for those answers. I can't be that for my husband. I don't wanna be that for my husband, that's too much. His burdens will eventually crush me if I don't have what I need to have with God and if he doesn't have what he needs. So it goes beyond, are they a Christian? It is forever. I want that person to be declaring those things over my life, believing in those same things. And when you're dating, if you're here on Sunday and they're not at a church, what are you doing? This is our life. This is what we believe in. This is, this is eternal what we're doing here. I want that person that I'm going to marry to be with me doing eternal things, whether it's here or at another church. Yeah. Paul, Paul actually talks about that, right, when he says, don't be unequally yoked. And it has to do with value systems. When we talk about Jesus being number one in our lives, if your boyfriend or girlfriend, Jesus is not an option, maybe number two, three, or just not even a number at all, then you are unequally matched. It's kind of like trying to live life with different priorities. It's just not compatible. So therefore, it's a struggle. So, and then we could even explore that, like, man, maybe they do love Jesus, but if they have different callings than yours, like you're called and you feel like, man, I have a call to to travel and be a missionary or whatever, and they're like, no, I'm a homebody, I ain't going nowhere. So all of a sudden, you both love Jesus, but yet you're incompatible that way. So Elaine, any other thoughts on that? 
just real fast, um, throwing out there, listen, I know maybe you're in the room and maybe you haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus and maybe this sounds a little bit strange to you, possibly you're with us online. I want to let you know that we do believe, we love people. Everybody is, is, is wonderful. We have, there's some amazing people, but here's the thing, as Christians, we make Jesus the foundation stone of our life and actually the very thing that we build everything on. And so it's not to say that people who don't follow Jesus are bad. It's not to say that they're evil or wrong or you shouldn't be friends with them, none of that. But if you're going to come into a covenant relationship and try to build a lifelong marriage with that person, it's really important to have your same foundation stone with them because when the storms come, you're going to go in different directions and lean on different things like Chelsea just said. So just throwing that out there that, you know, it's not to say that people who don't believe in Jesus are horrible people. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying if you're going to be in a relationship and you're following Jesus, find somebody who's also pursuing Jesus with all of their heart. It's really important. That's awesome. Hey, we still had a bunch of great questions like how much sex is too much sex. Um, <laughs> Pastor Keys will answer that next week. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got a few other questions like I feel like my spouse is only my roommate. How do I change that? That's, that's a big one right there. Um, or maybe you've even thought, man, I think I married the wrong person. Can I, can I get out? What does God think about that? We're going to continue the conversation next week, but um, someone say it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. Real talk. It is, it is challenging, right? Um, but God's grace is sufficient for us. Regardless of where you're at in your journey, God's grace, his touch, it's enough. And we need him to help us. So I'm going to invite you to stand your feet. I'm going to close us out in this prayer, and Pastor David will come and wrap up the service. But can we tell our panel how much we love and appreciate them? Pastor Lamia. Next week's, next week's sermon, we're going to be talking about tools uh, for relationships, practical pointers, tips on, on how to navigate through this season, whether you're, you're single or married. We're going to give you some practical pointers to help you, uh, tools for the tool belt, so to speak, and uh, I think it's going to help us. And uh, if anything, in our context, in our church family, um, we want this to feel like a family for real. And, and particularly, and there's about 40% of our churches not married, so that's a significant amount. I've been married for 25 years, so my, my worldview is greatly influenced by my marriage. I've been married longer than I was single. So a lot of the analogies that I would use as I preach or our team would preach, many of them come from a world of like, hey, we're married or we have kids. If you can't relate to me on that one or relate to us, it's all right, though. And, and we want you to know that you have a place at the table with us. We are one family. Regardless of where you're at in your journey, you're part of the family we care deeply about you, right? So that's why we want to have these conversations. Man, Lord, I've been praying for somebody and I've been going to church. I can't find that person you have for me. Should I go to another church then because of it? Don't raise your hand, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Um, next week, we'll talk about that. We didn't even get into like the, the apps. There's several of you who are married today because you found your right person through social media and through uh, online connections, whatever the, 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 the terms would be. We want you to know you're part of this with us together. Amen. This is a safe zone. And, and we need to talk about these issues that are complicated. Church is not a meat market. We are a family. So we love one another. We honor one another. We care about one another. And uh, we're brothers and sisters at the end of the day. And should the Lord bring people together? That's awesome. That's all good. But next week, we'll explore some more thoughts on this topic. But let me pray a blessing over you. God, we love you. Thank you, Lord God. I pray for hope and encouragement um, over each one here in person, those watching online. God, I thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, you who began that work in our lives, God, we know that you're faithful to complete it. 
So we let go and we let God. Father, we trust you. Father, for people that even would be triggered today because of past hurts and frustrations and pain, God, I thank you that you're the God that heals us and you come to restore our soul and you come to make us new. You come to turn the page to bring us into a new chapter. God, I pray that those that are just kind of held by the, 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 the harassments and the, the emotions of the yesterdays. God, I pray that you would sever and break those chains to the yesterdays, and I pray that we would be freed to be all that you've called us to be moving forward. I speak the blessings of God over your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Pastor David is going to come and wrap things up. God bless you guys. Have an awesome Sunday afternoon.